Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 11, verse 1, as well as the first half of verse 2, and verses 29 to 32. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so also they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may be merciful to all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I grew up here, not just in Marietta, but in this church, which means that the verse quoted to me often enough comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 24. Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. (laughs) Truly, it can be a scary thing coming home as a pastor to the community that remembers me as a teenager. A couple weeks ago, I attended a meeting of local pastors and the Marietta City Mayor, Mayor Thunder Tumlin, at the Marietta Housing Authority. The director of the Marietta Housing Authority is Pete Waldrop. I grew up with his son and his daughter, so he remembered me and included me in his opening remarks. He said, I know that Joe Evans is a leader in this group. I've known him a long time, so let me just say, he's come a long way. (laughs) This kind of thing happens to me about once a, a week. This week, I had a lunch meeting with Doc Harvin. Doc is an elder on the session. I grew up with his son, Glenn, when we were in high school. Glenn asked me to drive his car home from a concert we were at in Atlanta. I wrecked the car at an intersection in Buckhead. And so I ask you, why would I come back here? Why would I come back to this place where I cannot escape my checkered past? I'll tell you, I thought coming here, I might help make a difference. Do you know how good it feels to make a difference? Do you know how good it feels to make a difference. John Keevan invited me to lunch week before last. You may have heard that 
John, Maggie, and their son Chance will be moving to Gainesville at the end of the school year. John has been asked to run several hospitals there in northeast Georgia, and in telling me how he made his decision to, to leave Marietta and move over there, he said, health care in this country needs reform. Hospitals need help. Patients deserve better care than the care that they are getting, and I want to be in a position where I can improve things for as many people as possible, so I'm taking a job where I have greater influence than I do now so that I can help more people. That's how he made the hard decision to move. He framed the decision considering how he might make a greater difference. Do you know how good it feels to make a difference? Those who live for a higher purpose know that there is no greater joy than living for the glory of God alone. For the glory of God alone is the fifth of the five solas or alones of the Reformed tradition. And so this is the fifth sermon of the series. You've now heard sermons on grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and Scripture alone. Today it's for the glory of God alone, and I believe it's this one that pulls it all together. Because by grace we have been saved. By faith we've been shown the way to live. In Christ we know the Savior. Through Scripture we see the example. Now we put it all into action. How will we live? What will we do? I'll be talking about it today as well as next Sunday and the Sunday after that because it, it matters. It matters how we live. It matters how we spend our days and our hours. It matters not only because we can make a difference to the world, but because in living for the glory of God alone, we will make a difference in our souls. Do you know how good it feels? To live for the glory of God alone. But what does that even mean? When I was interviewing for this position here in Marietta, we weren't sure if we were ready to sell our house and leave our friends and community in Columbia, Tennessee. We didn't know if we were ready to uproot our two girls and move here. Yet when we came to interview, we were toured around this church. We, we got to see what would be my office upstairs, and we saw that that office has a private bathroom. My wife, Sarah, will still say, that's when I knew that we were moving to Marietta, when <laughs> Joe saw that he'd get his own bathroom if we moved here. However, a life lived for a bathroom alone isn't much of a life. A life lived for money alone isn't much of a life either. A life lived for convenience, entertainment, any of that has been tried and tried again. Those who live without a worthy goal or a higher purpose often find that their life feels empty. They are like Ships without rudders, for no one lies on their deathbed thinking. I sure do wish I could have seen that new series on HBO, or if only I had splurged and gotten a nicer car. No. 
When we all lie on our deathbeds, we will only ask ourselves this, who will remember me when I'm gone? Have I made a difference? Did my life matter? Of course, money matters. Even having a nice bathroom matters. But those who choose careers thinking only of money are missing out on the feeling that comes from making a difference. Are you making a difference? As you may know, I ride my bike to the church whenever I can. That means the car that I drive, I don't pay much attention to it. I never wash it, nor do I clean it out. It's, it's disgusting. Our girls hate to ride in it. My wife hates to drive it. Whenever I'm in a funeral procession, I always ask to ride with the funeral director because I don't want my car to be seen in a procession out to the cemetery. Because of this habit, I get to know the funeral directors and one back in Tennessee, his name was Matt, and at that time he was only 25 years old. His father, Tony, ran the place, but I wondered why such a young man would be interested in making a life out of being a funeral director, so I asked him about it. Matt told me that when he was in high school, one of his friends died tragically. His friend's parents were distraught, yet there was a funeral to plan. There were decisions for them to make. Matt watched as his father sat with his friend's parents, gently walking them through every step of the process. And in that moment, Matt knew that in a time of death, people can be taken advantage of. Were it not his father meeting with his friend's parents, they might be dumping money into an expensive casket they didn't need and services that were not necessary. In that moment, Matt knew that he could make a difference just by being an honest and compassionate funeral home director, and so he chose his career. He knew his purpose. Now I'm sure that he makes plenty of money. I've actually ridden in his car, and that thing's nice. It's got massaging seats and the whole deal. But I want to tell you that Matt lives for the glory of God alone. Do you know how good it feels to live for the glory of God alone? The Apostle Paul said it like this in our second scripture lesson. Just as you were once disobedient to God but have now received mercy, so they have now been disobedient in order that they may now receive mercy from you. Now that's big. It is a big deal for us to go out into the world sharing God's mercy, to change people's lives, to live not for self alone, but for the glory of God alone. Paul nudges us to live this way, and we need to be nudged to live this way, for too many of us receive God's mercy and then keep it to ourselves, or treat the gospel like the best-kept secret in Marietta, Georgia. 
That's why my favorite Presbyterian joke will always be, what do you get when you mix a Presbyterian and a Jehovah's Witness? Somebody who knocks on your door but doesn't know what to say. Once I've told that joke too often here, please let me know. Or, once you start doing it, I'll quit telling the joke. For every one of us forgets from time to time that we are called to share love and mercy, to live for the glory of God alone. We can, every one of us, do that. And none of us needs to change our careers to do it because opportunities to share God's mercy, to live for the glory of God alone, open up all around us all the time. You don't have to become a, a pastor to do it. You simply must remember that your job is just your job, but your calling is to glorify God. I've seen it happen. I saw it happen once in a grocery store in Decatur, Georgia. Do you know those lines where you can check yourself out without the assistance of an actual person? You know those lines, those self-checkout lines? I was at Kroger years ago when those things first came out. That morning, I was in a hurry, but not too much of a hurry, so I thought about the self-checkout line, but uh, because it was empty, and the line with an actual cashier, there were a couple people already there, but like I said, I was in a hurry, but not too much of a hurry, so I went to the line with the actual human cashier. I remember that the man in front of me bought cigarettes, cat food, and a newspaper. How do I know that? I'm nosy. <laughs> Not only was I nosy enough to notice what the man was buying, but also eavesdropped on his conversation with the cashier. He was telling her about a book that she was reading. It's a work of science fiction, he said. It'll probably take me six weeks to finish the thing. You must have a physics background to even understand it. I sit and have to think a while after I've only read five or six pages. The cashier nodded. Then the man said, could you also give me a change for a ten? Two fives, please. I'm taking my mother to the beauty parlor to get her hair done this afternoon, and if I only have a $10 bill, she'll want to give the, she'll want to give the woman the whole thing. It looks like you got a haircut too, the woman at the register said. You look nice. Not too nice, though, the man said. I lost another tooth, so I'm scared to smile because when I do, it looks like I came down from Appalachia. I thought that was a mean thing to say about people from Appalachia, but I didn't say anything. I just kept on eavesdropping. I'm getting a new tooth, though, the man said. The woman at the register looked pleased at this. She said, come in here smiling once you do, the man covered his mouth. I'm smiling now, he said. But don't look. You may hear the theme song from Deliverance. And then he left. The cashier looked at me. I love seeing that man. He makes me smile every time I see him, the woman at the register said. And I want you to know that the way she interacted with him 
made God smile. Do you live for the glory of God alone? When we live for the glory of God alone, we take the time to listen. We take the time to see people as people. We take the time to share God's love and mercy and kindness. It's not hard, and it can be done anywhere. It can be done in your job, in any place, at any hour. Those who live for the glory of God alone do so anywhere and everywhere. So I invite you to do it. Now, maybe you don't know about that. Maybe you don't have time to do one more thing. I get that. Like all of you, sometimes I wish my life were less busy and less stressful. But what I really deeply wish is that my life were more meaningful. A busy life is not the same thing as a meaningful life. So the Christian theologian Miroslav Volf, he's a professor of theology at Yale, and I heard him say in an interview this week, it is possible that we are suffering under burdens that are too light. That when our lives lack meaning, we suffer even more than when we run ourselves ragged. That's why we all must ask ourselves, what am I living for? Who am I living for? To live full, satisfying lives, we must live for the glory of God alone. Now, of course, why should you listen to me? I have this amazing privilege of having that pretty much as my, my job description. Still, I want to tell you that as a pastor, it's not always easy. I often get confused about what I should be doing. I'm often distracted. I intended to visit Van Pearlberg in the hospital last Tuesday morning. I walked into his room, I spoke to his roommate and his wife and saw that I had missed him. He'd already been taken to surgery. Disappointed, I went to visit a couple other members of our church, then came back by Van's room. His roommate's wife asked me if I was Van's son. Now, if you know Van Pearlberg, you know that that's a funny question. I, I told him I wasn't his son, I was his pastor. Where's your church, she asked. That's when I started to understand why I was there. I told her that I'm proud to be the pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, right on the square. She told me she'd driven by it. I asked her to come in next time she drives by. Then I asked her her husband's name. It was Stanley. May I pray for him, I asked. I prayed. And when I said amen and opened my eyes again, there were tears streaming down her cheeks. Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what it feels like to make a difference? Do you know what it feels like to live for the glory of God alone? If you do, then you know that there is no greater feeling. If you don't, I urge you to go and do likewise. So will you do it? 
Will you live for the glory of God alone? Are you in? Are you all in? Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.